foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife on 99.1 FM Talk. I'm Ashley Sanchez, and as always, Aaron Keller's here to help me out. And we also are joined by Commissioner David McNinch. Thank you for being here. It's cool to have a commissioner in here. Thank you. Glad to be here. And then we also have our chief game warden, Tyler Turnipseed. And we're going to be talking about trail cameras, which... A lot of people have been talking about right now because of our new regulation. So I'll let either one of you take this question, but what is the new regulation? Thanks, Ashley. I, I appreciate you having me. Um, so the new regulation that, that just went into effect basically says there are a few exceptions and, and a few uh, nuances to it. But essentially what it says is that you can't have trail cameras out on public land from the period August 1st to December 31st. Um, the the uh, one big exception to that is that if it's a transmitting camera, that date, the beginning date of that extends jet or uh, excuse me, July first to to uh, December thirty first. So a little bit longer time on the transmitting cameras. Okay. So and then what is a transmitting camera? I guess for people that don't know, a transmitting camera is basically um, a trail camera that sends images to your phone or your computer or your laptop, anything like that, is capable of sending images or video as opposed to the trail cameras that you go out and you check the memory card. Right, so there's a difference. I mean, one is you have to actually go out there every time, pull the memory card, plug it, take it back, plug it in your computer, where the transmitting ones seem a little bit more like, I don't know, I don't want to say cheating, but they are a lot easier for, for people to use, right? Yeah, we'll get into a little bit about the process of how we got to where we are, but during that process, a lot of people sort of drew their line in the sand of, of a transmitting camera versus a memory card camera. The, the transmitting camera seemed more offensive to a lot of people than the memory card cameras. So just to be clear, this is only the transmitting cameras then that this impacts? No, the, the transmitting cameras can't be out on public land from July 1st to the end of December, whereas the memory card oh, cameras August 1st to the end gotcha. of December. Yeah, one more There's month. the different yeah. yeah, it really, it really boiled down to uh, a fair chase issue is, is why uh, the transmitting cameras probably uh, uh, drew a little more attention. Right. Gotcha. So how did we get here to this new regulation? Well, um, from a commissioner standpoint, uh, you know, during our, our meetings, uh, we do have a lot of, uh, we do have county advisory boards in the state of Nevada, and uh, we've had a handful of them. Uh, approach over the last several years and, and express concern for uh, cameras in the field and um, their, their major point is uh, concern for uh, um, you know pressure put on animals and and the fair chase issue came up so uh, understanding that it's a very dynamic very complex uh, uh, discussion uh, they uh, particularly in the eastern part of the state um, brought those concerns forward and uh, uh, it kind of got wrapped up in, in a broader issue of fair chase initially, but uh, as time went on, we kind of uh, kind of got ferreted out, and uh, the department was able to uh, to help us uh, put some focus on the, the trail camera issue itself, and um, uh, went through a number of public hearings, uh, excuse me, workshops, and uh, ultimately to uh, a vote here recently. So a lot of people did have a say in this. Yeah, it's a really long uh, process, and at times it seems a little bureaucratic or complicated but 
but I think that's by design. There's, you know, these things don't just happen overnight. I think uh, Commissioner McNinch could attest to this, but I think the commission and the department first started talking about trail cams probably around 2010, 2011. Um, and then uh, with any with any new regulation that passes, um, those are in NAC, Nevada Administrative Code. And to pass one of those regulations, uh, the Wildlife Commission generally has a couple workshops where the public can come and, and testify. And then after at least one workshop, in this case several workshops, then there's an adoption hearing where the public can again come and testify. That's at the State Wildlife Commission level. And then as uh, Commissioner McNinch mentioned, there's also county wildlife advisory boards where the public can come and, and uh, give their thoughts pro or con on any issue. And, and in fact, this issue was was uh, largely championed by the Lincoln County Wildlife Advisory Board just because they're in the epicenter of trail camera use. You know, there's a lot of uh, point source water sources there that are limited and, and uh, trail cameras are extremely effective in that part of the state. So like you guys said, a long time coming regulation. Exactly. It's uh, several layers of process. First at the County Wildlife Advisory Board level, then the State Wildlife Commission, and then the final round of approval, which just happened recently, is that the uh, State Legislative Commission, any new NAC change uh, has to go through that body before it becomes officially implemented. Well, now that we've implemented this, is there anything, Tyler, that you want to let the public know, especially as they're getting ready to get out there and hunt? Yeah, I just want to make sure that the public is aware of it. We've done some uh, media releases and email blasts saying that the regulation went into effect. Um, and a lot of a lot of the questions come back to the why. Um, so I guess probably Commissioner McNinch and I would want to speak to that. And, and in my mind, the why, the reasoning for this regulation is twofold. One being the disturbance of wildlife. Um, of course, Nevada is the driest state in the nation. And most of these trail cameras are put on a water source, you know, a water hole, a guzzler, a spring, something like that. And uh, we've seen water holes with as many as 32 cameras on one water source. And so one of the issues is, is uh, the disturbance of wildlife by the very presence of those cameras and then by people constantly coming in and out to check those cameras, um, both disturbing the wildlife and then maybe disturbing other hunters like, you know, We've had complaints from archery hunters who are hunting near a water hole, and they have other people coming in to check their cameras um, during their hunt. So that's sort of the wildlife disturbance piece. And then secondly, as Commissioner McNinch mentioned, the fair chase piece, just that uh, you know some of our hunt units have very limited water, so with a dozen trail cameras you could have a picture of virtually every big game animal in the unit. Um, so a lot of people drew the line there of saying that's no longer fair chase if you can have those cameras out during the hunt season. It's crazy how much technology is impacting everything. Like now we're needing to come up with regulations for it because it's changed so much over the years. Exactly. Sometimes we hear a complaint of, of uh, people use the term regulation creep, that we have these new regulations. But, but uh, in my mind, the regulation creep moves much more slowly than the technology creep. Mm -hmm. You know, 15, 20 years ago, we never dreamed that we'd be talking about trail cameras and drones and laser tracking smart rifles and all these things that have hit the industry in the last 15 20 years and and uh you know it's it's a lot different than hunting was a few years ago and we want to try to maintain some of that some of that purity in it so dave i'd be curious like so somebody that has a concern they bring it to the county advisory board and then it comes up to the commission is that right yeah it's uh, that's that's basically uh part of the part of the system um you know we get uh we take input and receive information in a lot of different ways but in this particular case, um, you know, we have county advisory boards bringing a concern to us. Uh, these are people that enjoy the resource, and um, 
uh, they, they basically were asking us to, to take a look and consider regulating, um, uh, you know, something that they uh, uh, that they find important. They, you know, that they want it, they want the wildlife to uh, uh, to be kept safe, to be um, uh, to not be adversely impacted by activities. And uh, it's not always an easy thing to bring forward, you know, uh, asking for a regulation or asking for us to take a look at something like that. They know it's going to uh, cause some concerns and, and uh, that there'll be differing viewpoints and opinions on, on both sides of the issue. Uh, but they did. They brought it forward. Um, they understood and they, they know that it's an important issue. It was important to them. Uh, they brought it forward and, and uh, that's where we got started. Right. And I think even the people that bring it forward, maybe, or even some of those people that are could be using trail cameras right it's uh, certainly possible right so i mean they're 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 coming forward and saying this is something that we've seen and how can we how can we work to benefit wildlife in the end right yeah i think that that's what it boils down to uh, there, there's certainly a recognition out there for uh for habitat for uh, well-being of the animals um for uh what what people do when they enjoy these the wildlife um you know they understand uh, when when people are bringing stuff forward like this, it it, it gives me uh, the impression that they 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 feel strongly about it, that they understand the impacts of of all of our actions to to wildlife and to habitat, and uh, I appreciate that they're sensitive to that, and I appreciate that they bring these issues forward to us so we can have that conversation. Right. Yeah, I think I think I heard Dave uh, phrase it really well earlier that it's a difficult thing to try to regulate yourself, but mm-hmm. but uh, hunters anglers and trappers for the last hundred years have done exactly that in america it's you know the thing we always refer to as the north american model but but uh hunters and fishermen have have always regulated themselves through licenses tags um, and method of take this one of course being a method of take issue that uh you know maybe there are places where technology goes a little too far in today's world in of hunting right and like you said it's twofold it's benefiting wildlife hopefully and also hunters right yeah, it's it's not an issue that has been addressed across all the western states. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is struggling with these concepts. Uh, you mentioned earlier the uh, uh, the technology. Um, just from the time that this was brought forward to us to the time that we dealt with it, the advancements in the technology were off the chart. And uh, you know this isn't the only area. And uh, uh, Nevada has been very progressive in my mind. Um, you know, I guess uh, people might think that we've been a little slow here and there, but I think that we've gone, uh, we've taken it, uh, we've taken it at a pace that allows for a broad input, for broad consideration, uh, giving ourselves a chance to evaluate and, and uh, take in the information and make a, a proper decision. And um, Nevada's been progressive. Not all states are where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think some of these issues are very Nevada-specific, or at least specific to the desert southwest. You know, if you live and recreate in a state that has water everywhere, trail cameras probably not that big a deal because a, a big game, big game animal can choose to avoid a camera if he wants. But in Nevada, and at least in uh, some specific parts of Nevada, our water is so limited that um, you know the the animals just don't have a choice but to walk in front of that camera to go to water. In August, when archery seasons are going, those animals have to water every day, and and uh, when there's 30 trail cameras sitting on that water. It, seems a little too far yeah that's a good way to think of it i hadn't thought of it that way that we are in the driest state or one of the driest states so that comes into play a lot yeah and it's like tyler said before you know it's not just having the camera on the water it's the people coming in and out of Mm -hmm. the water hole 
driving the roads, you know, that's also some sort of anecdotal, like, disturbance of the animals, whether that's real or not. It's something that needed to be addressed. And through the process, I think that that's kind of been brought to light to a lot of people that were like, well, it's just trail cameras. Like, what's the big deal? And I don't think it was, you know, to trying to affect like somebody that's putting out a trail ca- like one trail camera or something like that but as a whole it is an issue especially mm-hmm. in parts of nevada yeah with a lot of the issues we deal with it's sort of a matter of scale um, and we can talk a little bit more about uh, some of the really good beneficial uses of trail cameras but but uh eight ten twelve years ago most of the trail camera usage we heard of was was a family who buys two or three cameras, puts them out. They go out a couple times a month to check them, and it's really a neat way to get their kids involved in the outdoors and get excited about what they find on the camera and, and uh, you know, maybe see something unique like a bobcat coming to a water source or a mountain lion or whatever. But but uh, when you take something as innocent as that sounds and multiply it over several layers of scale to where we are now, when when uh, last year we heard of s- of some individuals using as many as 300 cameras, um, it seems like there's a line in there somewhere where we've progressed beyond the family going out with two or three cameras to, um, you know, 300 cameras belonging to one individual and websites that sell the information. And, and uh, some of that stuff, you know, seems to have crossed a line in most people's minds. Well, we are out of time for this half of the show, but we will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. And this week, we have been talking about trail cams. And Tyler, right before the break, you were talking about the different ways and the different scales people have started to use trail cams. Can you kind of pick up where you left off? Yeah, we were just kind of talking like, uh, you know, so things that start out innocently with two or three cameras uh, probably aren't having a big measurable effect on wildlife. But then when you multiply that to where we're hearing of individuals with 300 cameras and, and finding water holes with north of 30 cameras on one water hole, it, it seems to have crossed a line. And so um, some people said, well, why don't you just put a limit on the number of cameras people could put out? But um, it'd be almost impossible to enforce. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's no way to, to determine or to determine how many cameras a person owns or how many they've put out. So um, we and the Wildlife Commission and the County Advisory Board sort of just took the route of just saying, okay, we'll put some season dates on it. That way people can use them before hunting season but not during. Exactly. And then um, there are some exemptions to this regulation. Is that right? Yeah, without getting too far down into the complications of it, um, we we built in some exemptions to it, the Wildlife Commission did, and, and the department, um, because, uh, number one, we understand that there are there are a lot of very legitimate uses for trail cameras. We wanted to allow for, of course, private land. It's not in our, not in our uh, purview to regulate things people do on their own private land as far as that. Um, so this only applies to public lands. There's also an exemption, like, for uh, livestock grazers who may have a public land permit to be able to monitor livestock usage on a, on a public water source. Um, things like that. So, you know, for the for the exact verbiage, you could let us know or get on the website and find the exact regulation. But there are a few exemptions in there. But 
but uh, you know we we needed to put in a few of those to make it work for everybody. Yeah, and for those of you who want to see the regulation, just head to endow.org, and if you go to latest news, we have our release up, and then it links to that regulation, so you could read it word for word. So, and then hunting season, it's almost, it's just about here. So, is there anything you want hunters to be aware of now that we do have this regulation? Yeah, I guess I would recommend that people take note of, of uh, where they've seen a trail camera. Um, you know, there's there's been a fair amount of scuttlebutt online and on social media about taking cameras down and that sort of stuff. And, and I guess I would probably discourage people from doing that because uh, you don't know you may be standing on someone's private land where the law doesn't apply. But um, but yeah, so I I would I would err on the side of calling us to deal with it when you find a camera, um, and then and then we'll decide how to handle it from there. Decide whose it is, whose land it's sitting on, all that sort of stuff. And as you've mentioned, there are a lot of great uses for trail cameras. Could we talk a little bit about the benefits we have got over the years? Yeah, um, certainly. You know, listening to the. Uh, input from the public um, as a commissioner one of the things that really stood out to me was uh, uh, you know the the families where they would uh, set out a, a couple of trail cams and uh, and enjoy um, you know enjoy what they what they saw with their children and stuff and to me that that's a um, that was one of the most difficult things for me to process because um, we want people experiencing wildlife in a positive way um, you know for all intent and purposes it's a fairly um, you know, when it's on a small scale, it's it's largely inobtrusive. You know, it's not um, like Tyler was mentioning. It it doesn't have that full blown negative impact on on animals. But when you start getting them cumulatively, that's where it starts to add up. So, you know, um, for me, it was it, it certainly played a part of my decision was uh, processing that particular use. I think it's real important for people to engage in that way and. Uh, um, you know, it's a it's a safe way for uh, people, and it, it kind of a convenient way for people mm-hmm. to engage in wildlife. Um, that's what is going to keep wildlife uh, uh, valuable and important to to the public is is that kind of engagement. So, um, you know, what we did, I don't believe would interfere with that, but um, it's certainly a consideration. You know, I'd looked at that as a real positive aspect of uh, wildlife viewing, enjoying wildlife. Right. I'm sure it was difficult. Um, there's a, a the scale of of somebody from that's you know they're doing it with their their kids that has one or two trail cameras to somebody that has 300 or more trail cameras and they're putting them out for a specific reason to look for a specific animal or um, but then also then to try and take that and to put it into a regulation that covers right. the whole state I'm sure that was right. very difficult and taking seven years to go over it you can I mean that's pretty obvious. Yeah, it, so. w- we went we went slow with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we uh, took a lot of input. There was a lot of consideration, and uh, and uh, um, for me, like I said, the overarching issue is the um, uh, protection of the wildlife, and um, that's what played into my decision was uh, seeing the pictures of the the multiple cameras around one water source, um, visualizing the people coming and going to. Uh, look at those or the flashes going off or or whatever it took to put them in there um you know seeing the pictures of the of the trucks heading out into the field with the whole bed of the truck is filled with trail cams um those are the types of things that to be quite honest with me really made an impact it was it was overwhelming to see that and so trying to find that balance um trying to find um you know balance that with the fair chase concept all those things it's it, it 
um, the ultimate decision was not difficult, but but getting to we're um, getting to that point it was certainly a process. Right. And there is that picture that shows just some of the pictures. That's what because I didn't really understand at first why we need this regulation or the impact a trail cam could have because I just pictured a small little camera. But when you see those pictures, you really do understand why there was why we got to this point. Right, and I think that also speaks to it coming from that county or coming from eastern Nevada anyway, is that there's pe- there's hunters and there's people in other parts of the state that didn't know or maybe they were unaware that it was a, such a big problem. And coming from that county to bring it to everybody's attention is, is definitely a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit location-specific. People who uh, may not recreate in areas where water is limited may not have understood the need for this quite as much as the people down in Lincoln County or White Pine that see the point source water holes covered in cameras and, and uh, may not have been aware of it. Right, and it could be anywhere where there's limited water. I mean, it's not just county by county, but it could even be a certain mountain range, a certain valley. Um, down southern Nevada is very, very dry, and uh, one herd could only be going to one water or two water ho- sources, so it's definitely something needs to be heard. Yeah, and like Commissioner McNinch said, there there are a 100 really great uses for trail cameras. I look back to what we've used them for as a department over the past and, and uh, where we've come in terms of water development, building rainwater catchments and guzzlers and how to fence those to where the wildlife can still use them. You know, a lot of that stuff came straight from trail cameras. Um, our biologists use them, you know, to locate a specific species or to monitor, you know, various uh, biological things going on out in the field. And a lot of really good research has come out of trail cameras over the years, so I definitely want to recognize that fact. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's been animals that have never been seen in Nevada by a human, but they've been picked up on a trail camera, Very and true. that's that's spawned you know research, full-on research projects, and you know dollars being spent on the ground for conservation. And that is another reason we don't want people to just yank a trail camera off a tree or off a guzzler or something like that, because it could be endow, or it could be a research project or something along those lines. You bet. Yeah, I think it goes back to technology and how it's advanced and how much more popular it was getting. Like we had these trail cams, got a lot of great information from them, but then all of a sudden a lot of a lot more people were getting into them. And right, and I think the affordability of trail cameras has gone. I mean, they're they've gotten a lot cheaper over the last ten years for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, they're cheaper, more technologically advanced. And then, uh, you know, I think one thing that resonated with some of the public and with the commission was some of the commercialization of 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 this kind of stuff so like we mentioned the the websites who sell uh, location data or or uh, some of that sort of stuff i i think those things resonated the commercialization of these locations yeah that's definitely one thing that resonated with me was you know it clearly stood out as a major issue when we start crossing you know we don't have um for for these areas where you don't have specific boundaries um I, i guess there's always hope that uh that it takes the whole public. It takes everybody to keep it that way. But when we start deviating and we start taking advantage of opportunities that maybe cross that line with fair chase, at some point it becomes a conversation. It has to. And um, and ultimately, yeah, you know, in this particular case, it ended up in front of the commission and, and uh, we pursued, uh, uh, you know, basically drawing a line and a boundary and saying, you know, look, the last thing we want to do is, is regulate ethics. That's something that we don't really want to do. Fortunately, the sportsmen and 
uh, people with uh, with concerns brought it forward to us. So it was more of a partnership in that sense, just to at least start the dialogue. And uh, but there are times where you have to get into it. You have to find that line. And uh, you know we've uh, we've established that line. And and um, you know I appreciate everybody that was involved with the process and everybody's concerns. And uh, we're we're taken very seriously and we're part of the evaluation process. So. We really we appreciate when people come forward and t tell us what they're thinking and share their concerns with us because that's how we Absolutely. end up making our decisions. Yeah. And we may not come up with decisions that everybody agrees with, but that's that's just it's part of the process. You know, we take what we you know, we take the input, we process it at our individual as commissioners as individuals and we make a decision and uh um, I think largely people accept that, but uh it, it's you know, I don't take it for granted, and I don't think any of the other commissioners do. We don't take it lightly, that's for sure. So we know that our decisions are going to impact people. We understand that, and um, uh, we do the best with uh, uh, to make a proper decision. And I think Ashley touched on it briefly, but one of the messages I always come back to in all these things is, is to encourage the public to come out and participate in these public processes because whether you're concerned about a deer quota in a given area or season dates or one of these method of take discussions, um, our process is very user-friendly, very very friendly to the public. And I used to stress that to people when I was out in the field on patrol, that uh, if they have questions about a specific hunt they're on, show up to your local county advisory board, raise your hand, stand up to the podium. It's a very, very public process. Right, yeah, anybody that hunts or fishes in Nevada should not find out a regulation after the regulation has been sent out, right? They should be talking about it. They should be coming to meetings. They should be giving their opinion because if they don't, it's kind of, it's, it's not really our fault. We've been talking about this for going on seven years mm -hmm. and there's plenty of opportunities for people to come out. And and I always get, a, I get a little frustrated when, you know, we post something on social media or we do a podcast like this and it's the first time that somebody that, is an avid hunter or avid angler in Nevada, and, and they find out about a regulation that way. Yeah, endow.org. Go to the public mm -hmm. meetings tab and, and uh, scroll down to, to see your local county advisory board or the state commission. In fact, uh, the State Wildlife Commission is going to be in Lincoln County next month. So um, a lot of the meetings are in Reno and Vegas, but they do move around to other parts of the state as well. Yeah, there's rural meetings, and then there's the cab meetings. Anybody can come to those and voice their opinion if they feel strongly enough. I mean... They can, they can definitely stir up, you know, some conversations there and then move it all the way up to the commission. Absolutely. And we only have a few seconds here left, but anything else you guys want to say before we end this, just to get the word out about this? No, thanks for having us, Ashley and Aaron. Yeah, and, we appreciate, and, uh, appreciate it. The Thank you both for being here. Glad for a chance to speak to it. I, yep. think, uh, I think the public voiced a concern. The Wildlife Commission addressed it as best they could, and... Uh, We'll see how it goes this this season moving forward. we got archery season starting next week, so we'll see what it looks like on the ground. Again, if you want more information on the regulation, head to our website, endow.org. And for anything else, wildlife, hunting, or fishing related, head to our Facebook page and our Instagram. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.